0: See you. Glad you see you right. I'm just forgetting that you're here, but I feel like you are, and I feel like we're uh, we're on a journey that uh, I hope and pray it can make a make a major difference for each of us. And, and thinking about that, let's uh, should have been doing this every time. Let's begin with prayer. Father, I pray that for each one of us that we can grasp the reality that you are indeed here. And we trust you on that. And I, and I pray that we understand that your presence with us in a, in, is in many ways. For those of us who are your children, you indwell us with your Holy Spirit. You, you live within us. And that's the most powerful of all, of all. But there are other ways in which you're here. And as we watch this scene unfold with these, these beings you call angels, help us to understand that they are here as well and that's a, a, that's that's something of you that's you interacting with us and all the things that we're going to see unfold that you do through them help us to understand that's because you love us you care about us and you are you're ministering to us through them so bless us in our study each and every phase along the way in the name of Jesus we pray and amen so uh, I, I think the, the lighting I, I've used in the last couple of sessions is, was not the best. I hope it was okay. Now I've got it on track. <clears throat> I think I'm doing it right, so it should be a little better lit in, in here, uh, in my home that I welcome you into here in Selene. Okay, we got to, last one, we, last one we talked about was a comparison as to how sometimes angels in their appearance are sometimes very intense and at other times they're very normal looking and we saw we saw examples of both of those. So we're on to our next point. Let me let me start my timer. That's for your sake. Right? Okay. Next point is they are angels are obedient. They are obedient. Turn to turn to Psalm one oh three. Psalm 103. Now, in a, in a passage we use for another characteristic, okay, verse 20, we use it uh, to show they were very powerful. Well, we're going to use it again. We're going to read verse 20 of Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, you as angels, you mighty ones, there's the powerful, you mighty ones, who do his bidding, who obey his word. Ah, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that angels are indeed obedient to God. Therefore, they're following his instructions. I don't know if you've ever seen a program. It's it's been off I guess for quite a few years now called uh, Touched by an Angel. It's old and there's some issues with it. But, uh, I, I personally, I really like the show, everything is geared towards God. Uh, it takes away from angels, actually, and the focus is, is on God. And they make it really clear. They're just doing what He says. They obey Him. Uh, they follow His commands. Now, again, that's with exception to the evil ones. They're coming. Won't be that long. We'll talk about them. But for the majority of the angels, the holy ones, they follow God's instructions. Okay, now then. Next point. Is or this this one for me is really really powerful. They are interested in human things. They're interested in you. They're concerned about you. They're not just stoic robotic creatures that you know do what they're told. Yes, I'm like a robot and follow. The... They're they're into it. They're for you. They're on your side. Okay, turn your Bibles to First Peter. Let's see, 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter 1, now we're going to start in verse 10, now stay with this, it's a couple of long sentences, okay, so so we'll go slowly, carefully, but, but stay with this. Make sure you're there. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come, that was to come to you, searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ. And the glories that would follow. In other words. What he's saying there is. The prophets themselves. themselves, When they prophesied. About this salvation through Christ. They were anxiously searching. They wanted to know when it was going to be. They didn't. They didn't. But the prophets themselves. Were, themselves were interested in wanting to know. Continue. Verse 12. It was revealed to them. That they were not serving themselves. But you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now watch. Even angels longed to look into these things. You see that? The angels didn't know either. They knew something was up. Something was coming. But they didn't know. Oh, they longed to. They wanted to know. Why is that? Because they're interested in human things. Things that, that involve you, they concern them. So, so look, don't think that in your life, okay, your life, my life, and the stuff that's going on in your life, don't think it has to be some monumental, traumatic things going on for God to be concerned. If it concerns you, it concerns Him. And if it concerns you, it concerns His angels that minister to you. Okay? So don't ever think that your problems are too trivial or, uh, or whatever, you know, in that fashion and thinking, well, that that's not true. As I've said multiple times, there's angels in the room with you right now that are concerned about what's going on in your life. So they're, they're interested in... In human things. And I want to show you one that I believe goes right along with that. I've got it listed differently. That they, they possess emotion. And that's towards you. They possess emotion. Look at Luke chapter 15. There's there's three parables in Luke chapter 15. And uh, the one we're going to look at is the parable of a lost coin. Alright? And that starts in verse, in verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Now listen, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. They're rejoicing. When, when good things happen for us. In this case, a sinner who repents, they're rejoicing. They're celebrating over that sinner who repents. And the prodigal son, when the son comes home, they celebrate. So, and so understand, yes, they're concerned about human things, the previous one. And they have or possess emotions. They're fired up when good things happen for you and me. Okay? Now then, go back to that first Peter passage for our next point. We're going to use the same passage because it clarifies this next point. The next point is, they're not omniscient. That means they don't know everything. God is omniscient. Angels are not. And how do we know that? Well, from the first Peter chapter 1 passage. Remember, even angels long to look into these these things concerning how God was going to save man. They don't know, they didn't know. So we're going to use the same passage that shows that they uh, they are in- interested in human things to say they don't know everything. Once again, emphasizing the fact they're not God. So, okay, so they are they are not omniscient. Now the next point. Might cause concern for some. Turn to to Job chapter 4. Job chapter 4. Here's the point we are to. Angels do have free will. And they can make mistakes. They can make mistakes. Job chapter 4 verse 18. If God places no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who live in houses of clay, whose foundations are in the dust. So our point being it says he charges his angels with error, they have free will and they can make mistakes. How that relates specifically to us in their ministering to us, I, I don't really know. But the capability, the possibility of, um, of mistakes is, is there. And it, look, it says, he charges them with error. God deals with his angels and the mistakes they make. It doesn't seem to be the same as with us. And again, we'll clarify that more later. But in some form or fashion, they, uh, they are able to make mistakes, therefore I believe they have free will. And he charges them with that. He holds them accountable for those mistakes. Okay? All right, now, the next section, this is a really interesting section. And uh, some of it, I believe, is clear. Some of it we have to kind of speculate a little bit to come up with some conclusions. Now, don't don't fret about that. I think you'll, you know, j- just grant me some leniency. I think you'll understand we're Okay? when when we get there. My next next main point is they do appear to be organized in ranks. And I'll tell you why I say that as we get into it, okay? It does appear that they are organized in ranks. So the first rank, the top, top of the heap, is the archangel. Some of you probably know who that is. That's right. That's right, thank you. Michael is the archangel. And every reference to the archangel always has the definite article, the. Okay, so we're going to surmise there's only one. Now some will make a case for others, but I'm just saying, scripturally speaking, the archangel is indeed Michael. A couple of places that we find, there's others, we'll cite uh, a couple of those. Uh, The book of Jude. Jude. Jude's easy to find. It's next to last, right? Jude and Revelation. Okay, Jude 9. Jude 9. And you might already say, okay, what verse? Well, that's it. There's only one chapter of Jude. So Jude 9, that is the verse, okay? Jude, verse 9. In the very same way, I'm sorry, this is verse 8 leading in. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, okay? The archangel Michael. Alright, look at First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God will sound at the second coming of Jesus the archangel Michael we know from Jude is going to to sound the trumpet the voice of the Archangel will shout at the second coming of Jesus that the Archangel is indeed Michael. So uh, just the prefix arch, does indeed suggest the ultimate, the, the top, the top of the heap all right And so uh, so there we have just a couple examples of the Archangel okay now next we're going to say under we're going say under him, is the only other angel we know for sure that is called by name, and that's Gabriel. Some believe that Gabriel is also an archangel. The Bible doesn't say that, and I'm going back to the archangel refers to Michael. So we're going to say Gabriel, we're going to give him the next spot, because he is the only other angel called by name. Now, some will claim should we do this now? No, we'll say it. Some will claim there's another. Some will claim there's Lucifer. We're going to hang on to that, say that. Uh, I know this for sure. Gabriel is called by name. Now, Gabriel appears only four times in the Bible. Two of those are in the book of Daniel. Turn to the book of Daniel. I may have to get a different Bible. This one's fallen apart already. Okay, let's go Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. Look at verse 15. While I Daniel was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man, and as I heard a man's voice from the Uli calling Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. There he is. Gabriel. Look at chapter 9, verse 21. Go to verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for His holy hill, While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Gabriel, in swift flight. Okay? Look at Luke chapter 1. We find him again in the New Testament. This will be much more familiar. Luke chapter 1 verse 19. Now this, this is what the, this announcing of the birth of Jesus coming okay but look at uh, Luke verse 19. the angel there here's where it's going to clarify who Gabriel is. The angel answered, "I am Gabriel." I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. See, G- Gabriel, the angel. Look again, in, again in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Gabriel was the angel they came and told Mary that she was going to give birth to, to this, this the Savior of the world, the Son of God. Wow, what a job. Those are the four places that Gabriel appears in the Bible. So we're going to give him second place there to uh, to the archangel Michael. Okay, next. Now next is a type of angel, I believe a type of angel, that you've probably heard of. But uh, We'll take a look at them. And that's the, the cherubs or the cherubim, depending on your translation. The newer versions will say cherubs, sometimes cherubim as well. So, now these are interesting creatures. All right, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. This is after the fall of man. Man one, Adam and Eve, have been cast out of the garden. Okay? So look at verse 23. Excuse me. Genesis 3, 23. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, Ignore that for a moment. (laughs) Verse 24. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. To prohibit man access to the tree of life any longer. And what was placed there to guard that way? Cherubim and a flaming sword. Now, what were these cherubim like? What? The, well, we get an idea from the from later on the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, on top of the Ark of the Covenant were two golden cherubim, and they had wings. Okay? These were angelic creatures, or these were golden images of these angelic creatures that sat on top of the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. So, uh, now there's there's numerous other places where the cherubim, uh, you can Google them, the cherubim show up in the Bible, but because they're mentioned several times and described in this way, we're going to give cherubim the third slot. So, similar to them, maybe, I don't know, but Next to them, but because they're only in one particular Bible passage, we'll look at the seraphs, or the seraphim. okay? Isaiah chapter six. Turn to Isaiah chapter six. Well, this is a, a powerful, powerful passage. Actually, this is the calling of Isaiah as the prophet of God. It is a powerful saying. And this is the only passage we find the seraphs or seraphim. Okay? Isaiah chapter 6. Got to start at the first. We'll read a few verses. Chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now watch. Above him were seraphs or seraphim. Each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. At, at just the sound of the voices of the seraphs. The doorpost shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. These are some powerful, powerful creatures. And we've got to continue, okay? Verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Watch. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is, this is a wild scene. And let's wrap it. We need to see how it concludes. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And and who will go for us? And I, that's Isaiah speaking, and I said, Here am I. Send me. Wow. What, what a passage. And this incredible role that these seraphs, these seraphim play. These powerful creatures with six wings, doing what they did in that scene as Isaiah is called to be the prophet of God. Wow. Okay? So, in this uh, organization of ranks, we see the archangel, we see Gabriel, we see cherubs slash cherubim, we see seraphs slash seraphim, and, y'all, it, it doesn't really matter if, if I've got that right. It just seems a logical way to, uh, to do it. And then the, the last one in that hierarchy, if you're calling it that, is I, I just simply call it angels. So you've got the archangel, Gabriel, uh, cherubs, seraphs, and then I just say angels for the hundreds of times in the Bible it just says an angel. Okay? So there's, I'm taking a shot at that, saying that there is this, this organization in ranks. It doesn't really matter. All of these creatures are there. All of these created beings are there doing some things uh, for God as they minister to us as children. Okay? All right, now. So this is a wrap. Time will go off. This is a wrap for this time together. Our next time together, we're going to talk about what I've referred to several times, we're going to talk about the angelic rebellion. There was war in heaven. And you don't want to miss that.